This is your host, Madeline Messer, welcoming you back to the Saving Delaware History podcast. Today, we're talking with Madeline Dunn, the National Register Coordinator, and Emily Whaley, a Cultural Preservation Specialist from the State Historic Preservation Office. Thank you both for taking the time to be on the podcast today. It's our pleasure. Could you describe for us the basic premise of the National Historic Register? Yes, there are three different things that I think need to be explained for the basic premise. Number one, the National Register of Historic Places is a federal program established in 1966 with the passage of the National Historic Preservation Act. It is part of a national program designed to coordinate and support public and private efforts to identify, evaluate, and protect America's historic and archaeological resources. Listing in the National Register of Historic Places is an honorary designation denoting that a property is worthy of preservations. Nominations also serve as a planning tool enabling jurisdictional entities such as county or municipal governments to develop and maintain effective community planning and development guidelines supportive of historic preservation. The Historic Preservation Act of 1966 led to a large interest in academic-based preservation, which led to outgrowths of academic programs at the collegiate level um, to study historic preservation. Uh, Just as an example, where I went to school at the University of Mary Washington, their historic preservation program was established right after the passage of the Historic Preservation Act of 1966. So how do you decide whether a location merits admission to the list? First of all, properties must be at least 50 years old. That's an accepted professional practice establishing chronological boundaries that actually dates back to 1935, which created the Historic Site Survey Program, which eventually became the National Historic Landmark Program. Eligibility for listing engages private property owners, members of special interest groups, and consultants in conducting site-specific research, as well as historic context, which are related themes, geographic locations, or time period. The preservation staff reviews and evaluates what are called nomination schematics. These are proposals for properties being conducted or looking at um, for National Register listing. We conduct site visits and we guide writers throughout the nomination process. National Park Service also uses seven integrities to describe the property and justify its eligibility. The seven integrities include location, feeling, workmanship, association, materials, design, and setting. And um, furthermore, the state of Delaware maintains a historic, uh, or I'm sorry, the state of Delaware maintains a preservation plan, which sets forth goals and acts as a planning tool to guide what the SHPO works on. I wanted to add that successfully completed draft nominations are submitted to two review boards, certified local governments, They are entitled to carry out some of the aspects of the National Preservation Act. We have seven of them in Delaware. They also have review boards, as well as our Delaware State Review Board for Historic uh, Preservation. Their evaluations and approval are recommended to the State Historic Preservation Officer, who is the Division of Historical and Cultural Affairs Director. And when approved, the preservation staff prepares the nominations for submission to the National Park Service. There are a lot of checks and balances throughout the process. 
What are some of the current considerations for the National Register? Okay, well, Emily and I are going to share some examples of what's on the horizon. One of our upcoming nominations is called a Futuro House. This is a very unusual house. It's shaped like a spaceship. There is actually one that's been occupied as a private residence since the 1960s. It's located in Kent County, and their private property owner is very anxious to have their property listed in the National Register. We also have several churches that are in the works. One is the First Tabernacle Bethel Church of God and Saints of Christ, which is Delaware's only Black Hebrew Israelite house of worship. And we also have up in Wilmington the Scott AME Zion Church, which represents an outgrowth of the Methodist uh, denomination uh, founded by African-Americans. Another project we're working on is Prospect AME Church in Georgetown. This particular church uh, represents an offshoot of Methodism, which was actually established by uh, Richard Allen in Philadelphia in 1816. He was formerly enslaved and became the founder of this group. And it, this building we're working on also served as the sanctuary where the schools were held for African-Americans in the Georgetown area after the congregation uh, built the church about 1866. We also have a bank building, which is a small brick veneered building constructed between 1901 and 1910 in the town of Frankfurt. The town of Frankfurt owns this building, and they wanted to make sure the building was preserved, and they appointed a, a group of volunteers to conduct the site-specific research, and Emily and I will be working with them as we develop an historic context for this building in the future. Additionally, one of our up-and-coming projects is in Laurel, Delaware, locally referred to as Rosemont. The property was home to Delaware's seventh governor, Nathaniel Mitchell. This property is a grassroots effort in collaboration with the Laurel Historical Society and the Laurel Redevelopment Corporation. And one of the biggest takeaways from the National Register is the ability to collaborate with different stakeholders. We encourage collaboration between private property owners, historical society organizations, municipalities, and promote grassroots preservation efforts across the state. How long do you think it'll be until those places are on the register? Well, the nominations are in the investigative research phase. So sometimes it can take a year or two, depending on the, um, how quickly the research is done. Understood. So how did each of you get involved with the National Register? So I knew um, all the way back in high school that I wanted to pursue a degree in historic preservation. I attended the University of Mary Washington in Fredericksburg, Virginia, and I obtained a Bachelor of Arts in Historic Preservation. And I focused my studies around building forensics and museum studies. I also spent a considerable amount of time uh, studying the National Register process. Um, and while in Virginia, I realized that my passion for Delaware history was a little greater than I originally thought it was. And I knew that I wanted to come back to Delaware to work on preservation from my home state. And I have to give a lot of credit to my uh, Delaware history interest to the local society. Um, they had a big influence on my interest in local history. And in 2015, I started volunteering with the Laurel Historical Society and went on to complete several internships uh, while in college. And the interactions I had from people 
the objects and the archival material really struck my passion. And um, I realized that I wanted to help preserve local history and ultimately make a difference in Delaware's cultural preservation. Well, I've had a, a personal interest in architecture and Delaware history for many, many decades. And during my um, term as an undergraduate student at the University of Delaware, I had a lot of independent study classes uh, with a special focus in art history under the directions of Drs. Wayne Craven and George B. Tatum. Senior year, I enrolled in an independent study program under the direction of Bruce Sherwood, who was a museum education director at Winneter at the time, who provided instruction in primary research activities, which I continued as a curatorial assistant for the Winneter properties in Odessa. My initial study project was observed by Dr. Burton, who was at that time director of the Division of Historical and Cultural Affairs. He was impressed with my presentation and invited me to apply for casual seasonal employment with the division back in 1973. I began my employment with the division in June of 73 as a historic site surveyor who photographed and identified historic properties located throughout the state constructed during the 18th and 19th centuries. This work included research and writing individual and historic district nominations, uh, compliance with the standards at the time, and conducting archival research for two major bicentennial state house, our state um, bicentennial projects, the restoration of the old state house here on the green back in the 70s and the 1791 courthouse in Georgetown. So now that you've both been involved with SHPO, what have been the latest additions that you've worked with? Well, one of our most recent nominations that was listed in January of this year was the St. Nicholas Ukrainian Catholic Church. That's the historic name, but it is currently used as a house of worship by the New Calvary Baptist Church on South Heald Street in Wilmington. This building has functioned as a house of worship for more than 110 years. Delaware's first Ukrainian Catholic church uh, built by and for the Ukrainian immigrants who lived in the Southbridge uh, neighborhood was uh, abandoned. And in 1969, the New Calvary Baptist congregation uh, purchased the property and made some interior changes reflected of their denominational practices. Their respect for the history and interest in historic preservation led them to inquire about the National Register program. Their committee conducted site-specific research. They organized oral history interviews with members of the original Ukrainian congregation. And through their collaborative efforts, along with our Wilmington Preservation Planner and consultants, uh, from the University of Delaware enabled the team to produce a successful nomination, which was listed in January of this year. Uh, just a quick question. How is it that we're still getting nominations if all of these uh, locations are historic? So in theory, they could have been nominated before. You have to have the private property owner's consent and interest to nominate, and a lot depends just on the mechanics, uh, who's going to be doing the research, uh, what are the sources that are going to be utilized, 
it can take as little as six months or it can take as many as several years to do a nomination depending on its complexities, but it's up to the individual property owners or representatives of a special interest group uh, to come forth with a proposal that begins the review process on whether or not it can be um, eligible for listing potentially. And an example of that would be another nomination that was recently added to the National Register in 2020. Um, you know, organized fiber company was nominated um, at the request of the current owner. And they have interest in uh, the tax credit program and um, in doing an, adapt an adaptive reuse program. Um, and the American Vulcanized Fiber Company was nominated for state and local significance under criteria A and C. The property's period of significance is from 1901 to 1914, coinciding with the initial construction through the last period of extant construction. And the property serves as an example of an evolving industrial property in the early, early, early 20th century. The American Vulcanized Fiber Company retains integrity, including defined industrial characteristics such as brick masonry, window openings, and exposed wood and concrete flooring. Moreover, the extant buildings have not been significantly altered since the time of construction. So of all these considerations and additions to the National Registry, what's your favorite part about dealing with it? My favorite part about the National Register is the component of research. Uh, each time you research a property or a person, you have the potential to uncover a new piece of evidence or change the perceived history of a certain area. Uh, the power of uncovering a historic piece of evidence or making a new discovery is one of my favorite parts because everything is an unknown until you can prove it with certainty. And I also enjoy the multifaceted approach to research commonly found throughout the National Register program. There are many opportunities to collaborate with different organizations and work with other members of the SHIBO team, whether it be through archeology span or the tax credit program. For me, the National Register program provides an opportunity to continuously learn about Delaware history. And I do agree 100% with Emily. You get to meet and work with local historians and property owners who have a passion for historic buildings, as well as a desire to research and obtain the honorary status of having their property listed in the National Register. A special benefit for uh, me by working in this program has enabled me also to compile special information about Kent County's African-American community for historic context purposes. By working with colleagues, we've been able to conduct research, including a review and analysis of historic tax register uh, records and state legislation and chronicled information about the social status of African-Americans, including enslaved, manumitted, free information about African-American property owners and tenants during the 1800s. And once again, in support of the comments shared by my colleague Emily, you get to work with a lot of people here in the Chapeau office. Everybody has levels of specialty and special knowledge, but it's also working with others uh, from different research repository, including the Delaware's uh, Department um, of State and their um, public archives, who have unbelievable primary resource documents that help 
all researchers compile the information that's needed for a successful National Register nomination. Wonderful. Could we backtrack and talk about that spaceship-shaped house and kind of how it got to be that way and why that would uh, merit a nomination to the National Register? Well, number one, it's going to be its unusual form. There are actually two that are in existence in Sussex County. And this has been a project that's been guided by Dr. Um, Holyfield, uh, who was with um, Wesley College at the time the project was initiated and getting her public history students involved in conducting quality primary research. The building itself um, is a design that was established or created in, in Finland during the 1960s. There were companies up in the Pennsylvania area that actually uh, prefabricated these shells that look like uh, spaceships. And through the research, uh, Dr. Holyfield has um, led the charge also with conducting oral history interviews with the gentleman who actually served as the agent for the sale of um, these spaceship houses. And a lot of the information is getting ready to uh, come to us in a draft form. Uh, there's a lot of information about the, the new um, materials that were used to create and design. And there's also a fascinating connection with Delaware with uh, state interest in the space program in the 1960s because it was here in Delaware that ILC Industries, which at the time was located in Dover and later moved to the Frederica area, was actually involved with making all the spacesuits for the astronauts that were part of the NASA program. So those uh, astronauts' uh, clothing that was actually worn when they um, made their moonwalk, for example, in 1969, were actually manufactured here in Delaware. So there, there's curiosity. Um, it's, it, it's a very confined space to live in. This particular house, the private property owner, has been in it since the 1960s, and it still retains a lot of its original compartmental materials like uh, unusually shaped kitchens, um, very small bedrooms. It has its original windows. Um, there have been just a few um, changes, but it's also been quite a, a fascination uh, to learn about the properties for this non-traditional residence because of the issues that were involved in obtaining insurance <laughs> for a building of this nature. It was really quite different, um, but it is interesting and we're anxiously waiting for a draft document to come in. It's, it's in the final stages. But what impresses me is not only the background context for its evolution, but also the components of the oral history from the gentleman who actually sold these unusual house forms for people to live in. Certainly. About how long are those documents, like the reports that you're going to get from each property? Oh, well, they're in different stages of completion. The Futuro House has taken actually a couple of years to um, thoroughly document. Uh, it's difficult making comparisons with others because there's only one other <laughs> in Sussex County that um, is visited by tourists um, uh, traveling on Route 1. They usually 
find it on the south side of Route 1 um, near Milton. Um, and you have this private residence, which is actually within a wooded area. <laughs> it's rather secluded. Um, but uh, we're expecting that within the year to come through. Our state review board meets three times a year, usually <clears throat> if we have nominations. Our annual meeting is going to be in October of 2021. So we're hoping to have as many of these in-progress nominations um, available, but we don't have control over them. We just do the reading and reviewing and the evaluation to make sure that they are um, meeting the standards of the National Park Service. Emily, what would you like to add? I would agree when the documents come in, we review them and we do an initial reading. And after we do an initial reading, we'll make uh, notes and comments and then we'll go through with uh, a fine tooth comb to make sure that the um, nominations are measuring up to the National Park Service's standards. I just think that when we work on National Register nominations, it needs to be reminded that we're doing what we call for in our state historic preservation plan. We're establishing a partnership because when you work together effectively as a team, um, and especially with the responsibilities that Emily and I have for making sure that we not only read, but we evaluate it according to the Park Service standards. You know, Emily and I go through continuous training all the time. We have a, a wonderful uh, National Register reviewer in Washington, D.C., who works with us and our other um, colleagues who are in the reviewing processing of nominations. And it just represents a lot of teamwork, but a lot of interest and enthusiasm. And we get to work with some pretty impressive people from uh, consultants to private property owners to members of our state review board. And I just think it's a wonderful partnership that is established that strengthens the preservation office. Awesome. Well, thank you both for taking the time to be on the podcast today. We are very happy to have an opportunity to promote this program and that you are um, having different sessions with our colleagues because I, I think you'll get a complete picture of what the preservation office is about because we we don't fit the normal mold. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly. Yeah, no, I've been trying to look into it and none of your none of you do the same thing. Yep, yeah, but we work well as a team. Thank you very much. You have a great day.